11.57. I don't have just about that long a list of scriptures, except one of them is a whole chapter. So maybe it equals a list about that long today. What, how big is my font? <laughs> big list of scriptures. Short list of scriptures. Important message, though. We're talking about now at this, at this stage in the process. I mean, you might be getting tired of hearing it, but we're not done with it yet, of, uh, of understanding the context of the gospel, um, understanding the gospel itself, understanding the appropriate response to the gospel, understanding what happens in a person's life after they've responded to the gospel and how the Bible shows us our life should look as Christians, having then responded to the gospel, being born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and now um, finding our life hidden in Christ. Some of this happens just as a result. When, when we get a little further down, I'm going to talk from First John about there's just a supernatural transformation that happens. And in that transformation, we're just different than we are. And, it, and, and it, it just presents itself through us. And there's other parts that seem to have to be wrestled to the ground. That's the picking up of your cross daily, denying yourself, following Jesus. But the Bible teaches us exactly what that's supposed to look like. So just a short, just a short word of review. We're, we're looking at Christian life through the lens of the book of James. And um, after I think today will be four weeks, we'll have finished verse 5 of chapter 1. I thought it was going to be a chapter a week. It's okay. And let me just read uh, 1 through 4 for the sake of review, and then we'll get to, to verse 5. James chapter 1. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So for the last two or three weeks, the Lord has been really speaking on these trials and how they're for a purpose and, and that they're not... Uh, by accident necessarily, that God is in control of everything and he allows these, these trials in our lives and that we're supposed to see them in a certain way. And when we see them in a certain way, the trial doesn't become burdensome so much as it becomes joyous because we understand that there's a purpose in the trial and at the other side of the trial there's things like maturity, um, no lack, proven character, all, all these different things that uh, the testing of our faith through perseverance and endurance, develops in us. And, and we saw from Peter, we saw it from Paul, and we see it here with James. So he's just told us, um, which this was just the screwiest scripture in the world for a long time. I mean, for years, for me, it's like, I don't think it's joyful to go through hard stuff. I just assume not go through hard stuff. But maturity brings perspective, and perspective says, whoa, there's a lot in here, and it's really... Um, useful teaching. So he goes through these first four verses and he speaks to the trials and, and a little bit of the fruit that comes out of those trials. And then he gets into speaking um, about how we get through the trials. And then, you know, if we look further and further, he's going to show us some of the things that cause us to get into these trials. So if you continue on then in verse 5, he says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So we're going to face trials. That's just a function of Christian life. 
it's a tool, these trials, they are a tool to bring about um, Christ-likeness in us, would be a good way to put an umbrella over that. And we're to be changed by these trials. The trials aren't just for the sake of keeping us busy until we go to heaven someday. We're to be changed by these trials. So we don't any longer, as we mature and recognize that, we don't seek to be delivered from them, but to be delivered through them, so that as our faith is tested, we're actually gaining the benefit. And then what he says here is that the path through trial is wisdom. So if any of you or me are in the middle of a trial, ideally we want to be delivered through it. We want all of the fruit that comes from the trial to be manifest in our lives. That's what makes us joyful. And we ask God for the ways to get through this trial. How do I endure it? How do I address this trial? And the answer is wisdom. Now, wisdom is, for me, a very difficult word to define. I don't know if you have words like that in the English vocabulary that you think you understand them, but if somebody said, describe it to me, I, I would have a hard time. If you said, define for me wisdom, I would speak of it as like a process, maybe. It's like a mechanism. It, it's, the, it's the tool. That it's almost like wisdom is a thing. We're going to find out, actually, wisdom is like a person, but it's, it's this mechanism, this tool that we use to stay on the right path as we ha are confronted with decisions through life. Um, I looked for definitions, and a couple that I thought were kind of okay, one was called the ability to know and apply spiritual truths. But, but in my heart, I don't see wisdom as an ability. I see it as almost a gift. But, but that, that's a good description. Another one is the ability to make a decision based on the combination of knowledge, experience, and understanding. That's a little bit more of a worldly presentation of wisdom, but wisdom has a worldly aspect to it. it it's basically this thing that we use to guide us, to help us to make decisions. That's, that's the, the best I, could, I guess I could make. But biblically, wisdom is, is so much more than, than the best way we can describe it with words um, and I'm going to read to you now, uh, I had a bunch, but I shortened this up a little bit. I think it's okay. You're not going to miss anything. Um, but I'm going to read to you all of Proverb 8. I'm not going to exposit on it very much because it's literally wisdom speaking, and wisdom shall speak for herself, and, and it's awesome when you think about this. The ears I want you to hear Proverbs 8 with are a perspective um, from responding to trial. So you can look at wisdom in a lot of different ways, but the way we're looking at it right now is um, what is our Christian life supposed to look like? And, and right now it's with regard to these trials that the Lord is bringing to our lives such that he's perfecting us in the trials. So when we hear uh, Proverbs 8, we're listening as guidance through these trials. Hear wisdom spoken of in Proverbs 8, again with an ear that when I enter, I look like this, the trial, and when I exit, I look different from the trial, and wisdom has gotten me through there. And the Bible presents wisdom, at least in the Proverbs, as a person. And it's cool, it's, it's interesting too that the Proverbs present wisdom in a feminine form not a masculine form so it's like it's mother's day it's maybe kind of appropriate you know uh i lost my dad when i was 11 and i don't really remember that much about my dad i don't really remember him i, I can't look at my life and see 
my dad's hands on it very much. But I can look at my life. I can look at my, Teresa would definitely testify to this. I can look at my personality. I can see my mom's hands all over it. The way I think, the way I, I um, perceive things is very much influenced by my mom. And ultimately, wisdom should be that guiding voice for us. And, and she's portrayed as a woman here scripturally. So I think that's kind of cool. Now, it seems like Proverbs 8 kind of changes voices. Um, it certainly is wisdom speaking in her voice to us. It presents itself as that. But at the beginning, it seems like it might be somebody else talking. But listen to this as a person who knows they're going to go through trials. And, and if you're like me, I, I want to find joy in the trial, but I'm not that crazy about having to go through the same thing twice. You know, I'd like to get, get what I can get out of that thing and, and move on to the other side of that trial, right? Versus being Israel in the wilderness and just going around and around and around and around and around. So wisdom is personified here in Proverbs 8. It's a person speaking, and, and her voice says this. Does not wisdom call and understanding lift up her voice? On the top of the heights, excuse me, on top of the heights beside the way where paths meet, she takes her stand. I'm only going to stop a couple times, but this is one of the places I'm going to stop. Wisdom takes her stand where paths meet. Now imagine that. I'm on this path. You know, the Lord has ordained a path for my life. If I don't know what it is, right, like Tanya Grace, she's like, I don't know what, what I'm supposed to do with my life. One thing I know my life is supposed to reflect is righteousness and holiness and mercy and justice and truth, right? So I'm walking down my path, and I come to a fork in the road, and I'm not sure at this intersection, which way am I supposed to go? Guess who's standing there waiting for me? Wisdom. Wisdom Wisdom stands where the paths meet. And if I will be wise, then I will heed wisdom, and I'll follow the path. Not We'll get to this later, but wisdom has a lot of voices. But the voice that I'm listening for is the biblical voice of wisdom. Amen? Okay, so where the paths meet, she, wisdom, takes her stand. Beside the gates... At the opening of the city, at the entrance of the doors, she cries out. Now, you know, <laughs> there's some doors we're not supposed to go through, right? I mean, my flesh wants to step up to a door every once in a while that I should never open and step into. Guess who's standing there to tell me, don't go in that door? Wisdom. She's standing there waiting for me. And, and there's doors that I'm supposed to go through that maybe I don't want to. Wisdom is standing there telling me, hey, listen, this is the door you open. Okay, at the entrance of the door, she cries out, To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O naive ones, understand prudence, and O fools, understand wisdom. Listen, for I will speak noble things, and the opening of my lips will reveal right things. For my mouth will utter truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the utterances of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing crooked or perverted in them. They are all straightforward to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. To my, or take my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choicest gold. For wisdom is better than jewels and all desirable things cannot compare with her. I wisdom dwell with prudence and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way, and the perverted mouth I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. Power is mine. By me, 
Kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who judge rightly. All right judgment is done through biblical wisdom. I love those who love me, and those who diligently seek me will find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even pure gold, and my yield better than the choicest silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the midst of the paths of justice, to endow those who love me with wealth. Let me say that right. To endow those who love me with wealth, that I may fill their treasuries. The Lord, listen to this, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. From everlasting I was established. From the beginning, from the earliest times of the earth, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While he had not yet made the earth and the fields, nor the dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he inscribed a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when the springs of the deep became fixed, when he set for the sea its boundary so that the water would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always in him. Can you just picture that? Here's this lady wisdom standing with the Lord, counseling him as he's creating all of creation. Man. Rejoicing in the world, his earth, and having my delight in the sons of men. Now therefore, O sons, listen to me, for blessed are they who keep my ways. Heed instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates. Waiting, for my, or waiting at my doorposts. For he who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me injures himself, and those who hate me love death. If you read the Proverbs, you'll see so powerfully the value of wisdom. So, verse 34 says, Blessed is the man who listens to me. Wisdom speaking. Blessed is the man... Pat Brady, blessed are you when you heed my voice, when you listen to wisdom. But then contrast these two verses. Um, The first is Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So where does wisdom start with the fear of the Lord? When, When I choose to humble myself before what God says, I am beginning to start to understand wisdom. When I exalt myself above the Lord, there's no wisdom there for me. And that's what the next verse shows. Proverbs 14.12 and Proverbs 16.25 say exactly the same thing. There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So, wisdom starts with the fear of the Lord. And there's a way that would not be in reverence to God... That feels right to me. But if when I come to that fork in the road and wisdom is standing there and she says, the fear of the Lord, God says, wisdom says this, but I choose this because it's a way that seems right to me. Guess what's at the end of that road? Death is at the end. There is never any life outside of the counsel of God's wisdom. Only death is at the end of that road. 
Whatever death looks like in that context. Okay. So the point here is wisdom comes in two flavors, and, and that's what I'm, I'm trying to get to now. It comes in two flavors. One is born in the fear of the Lord, and the other is, is born in the way that seems right to a man. If we were to just skip a bit of James and read down further, we'd get to chapter 3. And in verses 13 through 18, James speaks almost the same exact thing. He says, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes from above. See, he didn't call it something different. He called it wisdom. This, it's a wisdom. It's a guiding force. This wisdom is not that which comes from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So there's two kinds of wisdom. There's this earthly, natural, demonic wisdom, and there's heavenly wisdom. They're both called wisdom, because wisdom is a, is a um, I want to say neuter term, but I'm not sure what's the right word to use. It, it's, it's, it's generic. It can speak to a spiritual thing, or a heavenly spiritual thing, or it can speak to a demonic, natural thing. It's wisdom either way. It's which wisdom you choose when you come to that fork in the path, because I think they're both standing there. One has life, one has death. But they may be both standing there. And, and the one that we have to choose is the one that's heavenly. Now, there's what? His voice is in it. But there's a voice in both of them. And the other voice masquerades as an angel of light. And we have to have discernment as to which voice to heed. The voice that actually is light. Right? So they're characterized, the first one, uh, earthly, natural, demonic, is characterized by jealousy, selfish ambition, disorder, and evil. So when we come to the fork in the road and we find jealousy in our hearts, we know that that's the wisdom that's speaking to us through that emotion is evil. It's wrong. If it's selfish, if it's jealous, if, if we can sense any evil in it, no matter how it tweaks us and how it tries to reason with us, it only can bring about death. Now, the other wisdom, its characteristics are pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without hypocrisy. And I, I'm not sure if this is a good thing or not. I mean, I'm sure it's a bad thing. I'm not sure if it's a good thing for this conversation. But the thought came to me this morning, an example of sneaky earthly wisdom. Young man um, asked to sit with me and uh, wanted to ask me a question. He was talking with a very successful pastor, and they were in this guy, pastor guy's office, and the pastor was explaining to him, because the guy was considering, you know, maybe I want to go to college and be a pastor someday. And he was explaining to him what it meant to be a pastor, and he said, you know, when you were coming here, do you remember you passed that church down the street? And he said, yeah. He said, that church is our competition. And he said, well, I don't understand. He said, all the churches must compete with each other for the souls of the people, for the people to come 
And the reason why that's good is that's how God makes us better, is in competition. And I'm like, well, I don't think that's heavenly wisdom. But see, he, he was able to present this to this young man who was asking for his counsel in a way that spoke to the church getting better. As the churches compete, this one will find something that's better. It'll draw people over here, and then that one will have to figure out how to get some folks. And, it'll, and I said, man, it sounds more like marketing than it does trust in the Lord, right? But he could make a case because there's wisdom associated with his thoughts. It's just not heavenly wisdom. Okay. <laughs> Me too. I mean, and I, you know, I'd like to think that the only wisdom I ever give is, is heavenly wisdom, biblical wisdom. And I will tell you that one of the things I've noticed over the course of the last, I don't know, however many years, I don't have an answer that doesn't come from Scripture. I, and I love that. Somebody asks me a question. I say, well, this is what the Bible says. I know, I know, but what do you think? It's like, I don't, I don't have a thought that the Bible doesn't say. If, if I have a thought and it's different than the Bible, then I don't have a thought that's worth you hearing. That every bit of my counsel, and we were talking, we had an elder meeting the other night, and we're talking, it's like, you know, I, this is whole thing is for another conversation, and I, and I want to have this conversation with you, but not today. But I'm not sure that we're, that we're raising up the church really to the biblical standard, and, and that is that no matter who you go to, now, you know, a little baby new Christian is not going to be as deep, and you wouldn't point somebody to them for ministry or counsel, but, but we should be full of people that are so biblically sound that when somebody says, I'm dealing with this, they know the answer. They know the answer. They know the answer. Oh, my gosh. You know, I have this, I have this opportunity with this beautiful girl. <laughs> What's his name? Michael Ramsden. He, he, he had this, you don't know who Michael Ramsden is. Some of you probably do. He's an amazing apologist. I mean, he's just one of the sharpest guys I've ever heard speak. And, and he decided to be a Christian. And there was this beautiful model that he was pursuing. And um, he makes the decision. He, he makes his profession of faith. He becomes a Christian. He was sure his life was going to end from any perspective of joy and pleasure, that he was just going to have to, you know, grind his way through life because it can't be fun being a Christian. And like three days later, this model asked him, would you like to, with me? And he's like, man, if you'd asked me that three days ago, but no. Because that change happened in him. He was, he was different. The wisdom that would have said, yeah, was replaced by the wisdom that said, no, it's not good for you and it's not good for me. And it doesn't bring, and the guy's, you know, he's a Christian for like a couple days. All that. I mean, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. It's one you're all familiar with. But all of that makes this so important. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Right? When you see wisdom at the intersection and you ignore her voice, you're about to hit a bumpy road. That's not a nice straight road now. Do not be wise in your own eyes, the way that, this is my own comment, the way that seems right to a man. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Trust in the Lord. I mean, I, I don't know what to do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. But it seems like this would be a good thing to do. Don't trust your own understanding. Fear the Lord, because in the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And wisdom is going to guide you in the path of righteousness. Wisdom says, I only walk the righteous path. With, wisdom says, there's nothing but righteousness that passes from my lips. 
So with regard to Christian life, earthly wisdom says this is all there is right here, this life. And we need to squeeze it for all it's worth. We, we need to just... We need to live life to the fullest. We need to get everything we can. We need to, to, to pool our resources so that we can experience the mountaintop and we can experience the beach and, and we can experience French cuisine and we can all that kind of stuff. And there's a wisdom in there, but it's not a heavenly wisdom that you need to squeeze this life for all you can get from it. Wisdom from above would be this life isn't even what is. The Bible teaches us that this isn't even life. I mean, this is less real than the spirit world. This isn't going to last forever, but the spirit's going to last forever. That life is what matters. And we don't want to mortgage that life to have this life. So trials bring joy when we see trials from a proper perspective. The objective is not to get all you can for this life, but to give all you can from this life, this life is to serve that life. Jesus himself says, don't store up treasures on earth that moths are going to eat up, that rust is going to destroy. Don't store up for yourself works that can't pass through the fire. Do these things that will enhance your real life, which is already seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, that the treasure that you'll have in heaven is eternal treasure. So as we're um, evaluating life, like what does life looks like? Looks like? What does life looks like? What does life look like? What should it look like? It's so hard to get past the comfort and convenience that's in our face all the time. It's like, this is what life should be like. Um, the, the money that's in my bank account that, that I could use to see the mountaintop or I could see the ocean and hear, hear God in the waves and smell his breath in the breeze, which, you know, that's awesome. If you happen to find yourself at the beach, that's great. But what about the voice that says, I'm going to buy a car for a lady. And you say, well, where's that money going to come from? And the Lord says, not your problem. Buy a car for a lady. There's heavenly treasure. There's just a big old stack of great treasure in a pile named Pick in heaven right now as a result of that. Or, you know, somebody accused me on the phone, called me uh, in the middle of the night about a week ago and said, you know, I'm not trying to be mean or disrespectful, but every church has an agenda. And your church has an agenda, and you're trying to get every person in that church to adopt children. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not really trying, but... Bible says that's a pretty good thing, you know, that pure, pure religion looks like you're taking care of somebody who can't take care of themselves. And, and I think about um, Ben and Kim, right? I, probably not a whole lot of date nights in their world because Jonathan needs help. I mean, you know, right? Because they're not mortgaging that life to have this life. They're spending this life understanding what's waiting for them in that life understanding the one that died for them has asked them to die for him. And every single day is an opportunity to die unto his purposes and bring glory to his name. And wisdom will drive us to that. Every single trial. I mean, you know, Pick, you gave the testimony, but the testimony is a trial. It's like, I got 100 bucks. I'm sure that 100 bucks could replace a radiator hose. Not so sure 100 bucks can buy a new car, but that wasn't even on his mind. And then all of a sudden it's like, I got this car, 
Here's the trial starts. What does wisdom say? Wisdom says, look to the voice of the Lord. What does the Lord say? Lady needs a car. I want to give her one. I could just hear myself, Lord, that's awesome. You're the nicest guy ever. <laughs> and he'd say, yes, I am. <laughs> Guess who's my hand? Guess who's carrying my wallet? <laughs> Let me just quote you one more scripture because we have to see our life different. I'm going to talk to you about this more in the coming weeks. We, we have to raise ourselves up to be a church that reflects our call. And, and here, right here, is just like a, a great picture of our call. Jesus speaking now, quoting Jesus of Nazareth. John 12, 24 through 26. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will, all, will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. We have to continually teach ourselves that this life isn't our life. Now that's maybe running a little bit away from the theme in, in James, but it's really not. And Harry, I remembered. Harry's going to, yes, you may. Speak into the thing. And if somebody would, Ron, would you mind just re reach around the corner and calling Harry in here? You just got to give it a second to come on. It's good. Okay, there we go. I was going to say something when Pat paused, but I talked myself out of it because Nancy Aller has already heard extensively all the things that are going wrong with the house, and I didn't want to sound like a whiner. <laughs> but um, so there's been a lot of things. There's been mice and a groundhog and light switches that don't work and outlets that were wired incorrectly and just we keep find a duct that wasn't no longer was no longer attached to where it should be and was just heating the crawl space and that's <laughs> a few of the things um so anyways it's been um it, it's just been a little frustrating and a little bit overwhelming in the midst of all that i had so much pain coming up all the way to my uh up to like my back and um, I didn't know why exactly. And last Sunday, I'm like, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to dance. And um, I stretched and kind of did it anyway. And then as I was dancing this week, I'm like, oh, the pain's gone. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And then I thought about it, and I was like, oh, it wasn't a miraculous healing. I'm like, it was wisdom. And I'm like, because I prayed about it, and I'm like, Lord, what should I do? I don't know what to do, and I don't want to spend the extra money to go to the doctor when I need another outlet. And so I um, felt like he said, you bought these inserts, put them in your slippers. And so I did. And the pain reduced, reduced, reduced. And it was a ton better. And I was like, oh, I'm like, we celebrate miracles here a lot. And really, that was just wisdom. That was just, you know, taking care of the problem. And I'm like, that's really cool. And I talked myself out of saying anything because it didn't seem like that cool or important or anything. And then you started talking about wisdom. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so I'm like, so there's a practical application. Amen. Here, give that to me. You can leave it on. Come on up here, Harry. This has been beautiful. Um, I'm going to decide whether I want to exposit your testimony or not, but we'll see. Just a little one. Just a little one. Just a little one. Um, Wednesday night here at church, the subject of unforgiveness came up. And that's something I've been really struggling with with my father. 
And uh, with a lot of encouragement and help Wednesday evening, I was able to forgive my father. And um, on the way home, um, it, it become very evident that I had to call my dad. And I really wanted to tell him that I forgave him. So I got him on the phone, and I explained to him, you know, short, brief, you know, that um, I, I really haven't honored him as a father the way God wanted me to. And I was angry and didn't understand a lot of his ways and decisions and thoughts. And, you know, for many years I had been angry with him. And I tried really, really hard to tell him that I forgave him. And just as I was getting ready to say it, what really came out was, I'm sorry. Yeah, and... And he forgave me instantly. Um, just sit right on, sit on a little benchy deal right here, Harry. Just sit right here for a second. And I'm going to share a little of our conversation. Is that all right? Yes. Yeah. Or you can have my stool. Here, you can sit on this if you want. That's very anointed. Be careful. So when Harry first came here, you know, he wanted to talk with me and and we sat for a few hours a few times back in that room and you know I talked to him about the Lord and the gospel and how a person gets saved and um at some point we sat down again and he was telling me about his bitterness towards his dad and I'm like well you know you're going to have to turn that loose and he's like well you don't understand I'm you know my dad whatever and I'm like well, it doesn't matter if I understand your dad, all of it could be true, and you might have forgot some of it that's true. You had to forgive your dad. He's like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. I'm not, no. And I said, well, then, you know, we talked about being a Christian. I'm just telling you, only God knows for sure, but, but I, I don't think you're a Christian if you're not willing to forgive your dad. It's like the Bible says pretty clearly, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. I said, do you want to make a run at it? And he's like, nope, I don't want to. <laughs> Yeah, and I said, okay, I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen when it's going to happen. I know the Lord's working on his heart. I mean, you could just see the guy. It's just beautiful. And um, we had that conversation a second time, nothing. And then he started telling me, you know, it sounded like stuff had happened. I'm like, hey, the Lord broke through. And then Wednesday night, he, he was, we were all ready to go home. He says, wait, there's something else. And then he starts to share with us. And we, we talked, we prayed, and then out loud before all of us. And, hey, we're actually having a reasonable crowd on Wednesday nights now. And, and he forgave his dad. And the beautiful thing is if you go to somebody and say, I forgive you, they might not think they did anything wrong. And the Lord knows that, right? He, in that good moment could have been messed up by now all of a sudden you're not forgiving him, you're accusing him of something. And the Lord brought out the words, I'm sorry. Because, see... What he did at the beginning was he accessed earthly, demonic wisdom. An eye for an eye, baby. You were like this to me as a kid. You don't deserve my forgiveness. You're not going to, and it's, you can make a case for it. Easy. And then as the Lord began to work and soften and teach and, and mold his heart, he started to hear a different voice of wisdom to the point where it's not the pastor or somebody else saying, dude, you're, you know, if you die today, you might not go to heaven. He's like, hey, I need help. I want to forgive my dad. Now he's responding to heavenly wisdom, which is peaceable. And now his heart has peace with his dad, and it's just awesome. So you 
You're a wonderful sermon illustration. Thank you very much. Can we just pray over Harry? It's only the beginning. I just know it. It's just the beginning, Lord. Thank you that your blood cleanses us of everything, that your relentless pursuit is so awesome and so glorious and so true, and I, I guess, you know, generally irresistible, that you've brought Terry, Terry, Harry, sorry, Harry, whose real name is Terry, forgive me, Harry. Forget that one. Lord, I'm sorry. And we just, we just praise you and thank you to be able to see the testimony of your glory working from the inside out. And we just say more, more, more for Harry and everybody that he touches. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. All right.